0: I was born on the south side of Chicago to two wonderful parents and uh, although I was primarily raised by my mom in extreme poverty as we would say, financial poverty. But uh, during that journey there were a lot of little things happening and and, and I can say that now from where I sit now but you know when you're in the thick of things you really only can see what it is that Mm -hmm. you physically can see. Luckily I had a mom who I'm the oldest of three kids who kept telling us that, you know, you can create anything you want with your life. You can create anything you want with your life. And that was her mantra. She kept saying that. And at some point in our childhood, we were homeless. But that message that she kept giving us uh, really resonated with me.
1: Welcome, SOS listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I just finished a delightful interview with Dr. Dravon James. Now, Dravon actually grew up on the south side of Chicago and at times with her mother was actually homeless. And in spite of that condition, her mother always encouraged her that she could be more than their condition that they were at. So much so that Dravon then ended up getting her doctorate degree in pharmacy. So we cover her story, and then more recently. She's written a new book called Freedom is Your Birthright. She just wanted other people to know what were the principles that she went through to go to the next level to get to where she's at. So very, very delightful to have Dravon on our show. What's new at CRG? We'll be getting to the interview in a second, but my encouragement is, is that when we think about our own development. And one of the things we talk about in this podcast is you are responsible for your condition. If you're not where you want to be, where you'd like to go, then first of all, don't freak out about it. Don't get guilty. Just say, okay, I need to do something about it. We can't blame other people. So in that regard, I'm just going to encourage you. If you're not clear about your purpose in life, in your direction in life, then My latest book, The Quest for Purpose, and you can get it at thequestforpurpose.ca or crgleader.com, really provides a roadmap for you as far as going to the next level. So think about that. The other one is, is if you like what we're doing, please just share, pass it on, leave a positive comment or review on whatever platform you are listening on. Thank you for listening. Now, here's our interview with Dr. Dr. James. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I always start the show with each week we have an amazing guest. Well, that's true again this week because that's all we have is amazing guests. In our individual today, today she's going to actually tell her own story. I'm not going to go through the whole bio, but her name is Dr. Dravon James. Thank, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you today.
1: Now, you're author of the book, Freedom is Your Birthright, and we'll get to that in the second half of the show. But you have an amazing journey or story, and we always like to encourage our guests Dravon, with you know our guests overcoming overcoming obstacles. So before we get into your book and all that kind of content, uh, what is as far as where you were born and your background? Just start us in the beginning of the journey.
0: Oh, I love to. So yeah, I I like to tell people that I have at least in my own mind one of those stories that if I could do it, anybody could do it, and you can put. Anything you want in the it part of that, whatever you want to create with your life, it is up to you to create that. So I was born on the south side of Chicago to two wonderful parents. And uh, although I was primarily raised by my mom in extreme poverty, as we would say, financial poverty. But uh, during that journey, there were a lot of little things happening and and, and I could say that now from where I sit now, but you know, when you're in the thick of things, you really only can see what it is that Mm -hmm. you physically can see. Luckily I had a mom who I'm the oldest of three kids who kept telling us that, you know, you can create anything you want with your life. You can create anything you want with your life. And that was her mantra. She kept saying that. And at some point in our childhood, we were homeless, but that message that she kept giving us, um, really resonated with me. And now, really, Devon,
1: I'm going to stop you there for a second. Sorry to interrupt, but you know, as a host, our job is to really pull out, pull, pull out those gems that you say, how did your mom maintain that kind of attitude with you in spite of the circumstances?
0: amazing. I just say that she's this amazing woman because I think about it now as an adult and I have two children and you know my life is not nearly as hard as my mom's life was but she just really believed. She really had this belief that this was her situation was temporary and that tomorrow would be better than today if we really gave it all that we got today and that was just the mantra that she just kept preaching and kept preaching and kept teaching and kept teaching she she was really ahead of her time I like to say because we went to two churches and so amazing We went to church on Saturday. It didn't feel amazing when I was a kid. I'll tell you, it did not feel amazing. Mm. We went to church on Saturday, which is like a metaphysical type of church. And then we went to what people would call a holiness church, um, Pentecostal church, on Sundays, which was all day. If you know anything about the Pentecostal religion, it was all day on Sunday and pretty much all day on Saturday. Now, the phenomenal thing about this experience was that no one knew at the... Pentecostal church that we went to a metaphysical church. And no one at the metaphysical church knew that we went to a Pentecostal church. She kept the worlds totally separate because Mm -hmm. she believed that the people at one place wouldn't understand her interest in the other thing. But for me, as a child growing up in that experience, they both seemed very similar to me in the doctrine. And I'm sure I didn't have that word in my vocabulary, but they just seemed so similar. The way they executed things were differently, but the message really resonated as the same to me. And I think for my mom, uh, that must have been happening somewhere in her psyche because no matter how hard the physical journey was, she always had this, and then tomorrow the sun will rise kind of um teaching mm-hmm. for us kids. So that really that really shaped me. And then just to fast forward, you know, we went through all of that and I was graduated from high school, on my way to college and my brother who it was 17, I was okay, 17 well, he was 16.
1: Now, how does somebody who is in this situation get an opportunity to go to college? How did that happen?
0: Because with all of that and it's so interesting, I'm from the south side of Chicago, but my mom had somewhere in her spirit, was led to move to New England. So we ended up living in Massachusetts. For my high school years, a lot of my education was in Massachusetts. And even though we would go back and forth, we would live in Chicago some years, we'd live in Massachusetts some years, and that was just the way that was. But when it came time to get ready to graduate, we were in Massachusetts at the time. And because my mom, again, was very much into education, she believed that that was the answer you know that and a good good relationship a healthy relationship with the Lord. My grades were good. You know people will say they were great, but they were good and uh, yeah, I I was going to actually was going to medical school and got accepted into a pre-med program and decided early on that that necessarily wasn't for me, but it was only because of this experience that I had with my brother who gave me this book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. I'm sure everybody knows that little book.
1: I met Norman in person. Did you really? Yeah, in New York at a National Speakers Association conference in the early 90s. So, and he was 80-something then. So, yeah, an amazing individual. He was funny then.
0: Wow. <laughs> funny. And he, he
1: was so funny. Even at almost 90, he was just still using his situation as, uh, for humor.
0: Someone told me that he was going to, he actually went to throw that book out, The Power of Positive Thinking, That, and I didn't read that in, in, about him, but someone did tell me that in my travels that he was not going to publish that book or something, and I am so grateful that he did. You never know how your mm-hmm. situation is going to touch somebody else's life, but that book really tied things together for me in my life. I was a person who always wanted to help people. I think it was my way of um, nurturing myself. Mm-hmm. was the giving part, but I didn't know how I was going to help people, and I just thought, you know, go. To, my mother said, oh, go to medical school. You're good in math. You're good in well, science. Well, go, go back, to
1: school. Because, and I asked the question. I said, how did you get the tuition for that? So did you get some kind of... Scholarships. Op- yeah, scholarships, scholarships, yes, yeah,
0: scholarships, and you know financial cool. aid. And I will say this: <laughs> when I got out of school, not everything was a scholarship. I didn't realize that when you're 17 mm. years old. A lot of those mm. were promissory notes that I was signing. <laughs> but who knew? I got out in a lot of debt. <laughs> but
1: well, uh, hey, welcome to student loan uh, fiasco right. in both countries right now. So right, for but sure. you know
0: what? I'm still grateful for that too because maybe if I had known and understood that. You know, I was going to be in so much debt when I got out. I may not have done it. I didn't have that understanding. They was like, sign this paper, go to school. I was like, okay, I'll sign the paper. And I did. And so, you know, I Mm -hmm. got out. I really hunkered down and paid those student loans and what have you. But that's how I did it. And uh, there's this phrase that. I use a lot too dumb to doubt. That's where I was at that point in my life. They said, my mom said, go to medical school. You're good in science and math. Somebody said, sign this piece of paper. (laughs) We'll let you into school. I did both. (laughs) You know, I I signed up. And uh, yeah, and and I was on my way down that pathway. Uh, I realized that that necessarily wasn't my passion. That wasn't how I was meant to help people. Um, So I stopped. I got my doctorate degree in pharmacy instead of medicine and been happy well, doing that's,
1: that Well that's a high requirement as well just understanding sort of I have a diploma in, in nutrition and genetics so there's a lot of moving science parts behind that that you have to be responsible for
0: Oh yeah it's <laughs> I tell people, you know, my hat goes off to anyone who, well, anybody who does anything. But you know, when you do, when you get into healthcare, every every day you walk in the door and you say, "Please let me do no harm today." You know, you don't know how much good you're going to do, but you definitely don't want to do any harm, because that potential to do uh, harm is always there.
1: Especially. Now, did you go straight through and go all the way through to get your doctorate in pharmacy straight away?
0: No, I didn't. I when I actually when I went to pharmacy school, I. I had never even heard of a doctorate degree in pharmacy. I had been practicing for a couple years, and then I met someone, and uh, I I had been practicing for a couple years, and I I heard, oh, you can go back and get a doctorate degree. And I was like, oh, I don't need to do that. Then I met somebody who had done it, and I said to myself, well, yeah, I guess I'll do it. And that's kind of how that came about. I was already practicing for a number of years. I said, I'm going to go back. You know, this is the highest degree you can get in this profession, and since I'm here, I might as well get that. So that's again because I like helping people and I knew that provided a great service for people, but it wasn't the thing, you know how you have that spot in your core that says you're not home yet. You're not living your purpose yet. You're close, but you're not there yet.
1: Mm-hmm. So what I do you think have was driving you during that whole time, you know, outside of your mom, this now is your motivation. So what mm-hmm. was driving you to go to aspire to this level?
0: To get the doctorate degree? Yes. I think part of it was that fear-based, I have to be honest, it was fear-based because I knew that security in a profession meant that you had to keep evolving in that profession. And because I, I owed a lot to the healthcare profession, I mean, it took me from two total ends of the spectrum as far as uh financial and economics were concerned, you know, so I owed a huge debt to the healthcare profession. I wanted to be able to give my best, but a lot of it was fear based. Like if I wanted to stay relevant in this career, then mm. I need to be on a growth pattern uh journey. And that was the next growth journey for me.
1: Cool. So you got out of school and then you start practicing, were you in a hospital or pharmacy in some kind of drugstore or what were you doing?
0: Well, the interesting thing is, I started out an independent. That's, I started off working for an independent uh, while I was in pharmacy school, and and actually in my senior year in high school, and I loved that type of practice. So I got out of pharmacy school. I went to work for a huge chain, and I I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I moved from there and went into consulting, which I loved, but I. Always liked connecting with people, so I ended up buying two independent drugstores. So I was an owner and operator of two independent drug community drugstores.
1: Wow, wow. That go from sort of your situation and your roots to owning your own businesses. How did that go to switch into being an entrepreneur?
0: You know, I think the, the work ethic that I had acquired from my childhood, um, knowing that there are no free rides that you really have to work hard. If you want something, translated well into being a business owner because I was accustomed to doing the and then some and getting really, really small payoffs, which is what you do in the beginning of growing a business, right? You you put in the long hours, you pay the salaries, and you don't necessarily have um, what people think you have in the beginning anyway. So it's a, it's a lot of sacrifice for, uh, you know, delayed reward which my childhood had prepared me for. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work and then at the end the payoff would come but not, not immediate gratification and that mm-hmm. was okay with me because I, I didn't grow up with immediate
1: gratification. Well a lot of us not for sure. So when we think about your your timeline the stores, they come before your doctorate or after them? Before. Okay and then how did you have time to go to your doctorate with these stores?
0: Did Only by them, the or? grace of God. Let me tell you, I uh <laughs> ooh, I think back about oh my gosh, it was a difficult time. I owned two drugstores and um all of that stress and the staff and that I got married in that time period. I had my first baby. I, I went into getting my doctorate degree when I was pregnant with my first child and Of course because was,
1: you had nothing to do, you really right. needed to fill up your time slot. <laughs> because you were just slacking it
0: right imagine that and I think back and it actually makes my skin kind of burn because I was so stressed I can remember being in the library with my daughter strapped to me (laughs) looking for journals applying for internships oh it was just it was a it was a whirlwind but it was fast paced I'll tell you that it was it was not one boring moment in that journey
1: now where did you meet your um, husband
0: here in in the Baltimore area uh, just random in a in a store one day, you know, Ford Line, I think, what's your name? Or some something, something similar to that. But yeah, and we just hit it off right away. He was a transplant to the area from New York and met and it was instantaneous, you know, um, sort of attraction and we sort of been clinging on to each other for twenty four years now.
1: Mm. Twenty four years. Now you did say in your bio here and in the information you shared with us that your marriage really hit rock bottom after some several failed pregnancies.
0: Yeah, so it's really really tough What times. can you
1: share with the audience there about sort of the sort of emotional ride but also the grit and tenacity to get out on the other side. And here you well, are 24 years later. Congratulations by the way.
0: Th- thank you, thank you. And it's, it's it hasn't been easy. I'll I'll start with the with the loss because that was so huge for me. Um, the failed pregnancies was very, very huge and you know, that took a toll on me as a person, as a woman but what I'll go back to is this fact that I had this with my mom growing up, I had this belief, really, really strong belief, that whatever showed up in my life was showing up for a reason. And the only reason that it showed up in my life, and these are my words, but came from that teaching, was to bow down and serve me so that I could be of service to others. I could not, in the middle of that storm of losing you know, pregnancy after pregnancy, tell you how I how I, how bad I felt and that I would even be able to use any of that to help somebody else because I didn't think I'd be able to come up from there when it was happening. But through all of that, I found I kept getting stronger with each, you know, each pregnancy, each disappointment, I, I was I had my heels dug in. I was like, well, some way or fashion, either we're going to have a child, we're going to adopt a child, there will be a child brought into this union. We ended up having two children, and it was physically uh, hard. It was emotionally hard. It took its toll on the marriage. It took its toll on me. But through all of that, I think was refocusing myself on the goal, refocusing myself on the goal. And then my husband, too, him refocusing himself on the goal, him being able to take his own journey in, for growth and development. Even still, I mean, 24 years in, our kids are 18 and 16, and they are new challenges. new, And I would say to you, they're probably equally as hard.
1: <laughs> well, they're just different, right? My kids yeah. are in their early 20s, mm-hmm. and so they've just really been a blessing to us for sure. Um, but yeah, there's always uh, work to do. That's why you're a parent, and that's why you love them. And you know what? We just wouldn't replace it. They're awesome kids. And I'm sure that's true for you, too. So what does oh, your husband yeah. do?
0: Um, he went to law school, University of Maryland Law School. He works in, um, what do you call it, equal opportunity for for universities.
1: Okay, Okay, so excellent. So he's in the legal profession of some sort and just works in that space. Well, that's excellent. So now you have your daughter strapped to you. You're doing this studying. Um, How did that work out as far as obviously you pass because you're a doctor?
0: Yeah, I got to tell you this funny story. One day, this is, I didn't have my daughter with me. She was home. My husband was home, but I was so tired. I mean, just, you have no idea how tired I was. I parked my car in a parking garage and I was doing a rotation at a local hospital and went, got in my car after this long, incredibly long day, it must have been like 12 or 13 hours, get in the car and could not figure out from sheer exhaustion how to get out of the parking garage. I must have around the parking garage like maybe 10-15 minutes. I literally could not find the exit and that was just sheer exhaust. Oh gosh, I can't. I think back just being that tired. But the payoff was that. You eventually got
1: out or did you just sleep overnight there?
0: No, no, I eventually got out and you know I I just had to park the car and really I, I parked the car and I just said to myself okay, you got in here. This place does have an exit. Calm down. And, and I was just so hyped up from, you know, how you can, you're in the present moment, but you can't keep your mind in the present moment. I was thinking about all the stuff I had to do when I got home, and then I had a paper due. I just, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I pull out of that garage into this beautiful sunlight, and I said to myself, huh, oh. there is a light at the end of every struggle. So I, I hope that encourages somebody, you know, push through as much as you can, but obey when your body is telling you to rest. I remember... That weekend, just taking myself easy, you know, I didn't do so well on that paper because I didn't <laughs> work on it so well, but, you know, I had to really prioritize my physical health, my emotional health, because I was really driving myself really, really hard during that period, running two stores, raising a baby. Uh,
1: Boy, not the best it's hard to even believe, it. but you did it. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting. There's an old quote that says that fatigue makes cowards of us all. It also does affect, excuse me... <clears throat> It does affect our decision-making. I mean, oh my this God. idea yeah. that we, as a society, are sleep-deprived is so true. And so that leads into it, and you were just experiencing that. So you really pushed through in spite of all of that. So if you think about, you know, we're just going to transition to your book here in a moment, is what are, besides what you've already said, what are a couple sort of characteristics or qualities that you hung on to, to get through to the other side, to really push through and to achieve what you achieved at that time?
0: Well, you know, I have always had this model, and I think I got it from studying something in history from Christopher Columbus, when he landed and he said, you know, burn the boats. And so... If that's not Christopher Columbus, I please forgive me. But I remember that when I was really young. And that's always been my model. When I set forth to do something, there is no going back. I'm here. And mm-hmm. I, the turning back is sort of like the boats have been burned. We We can't swim across this ocean. So we are here and we're going to make this work. And... That has served me well uh, for completion of things. One thing I would caution people, as you know, as you get older, you get a little bit wiser, is that slow down and remember to smell the roses all the way through. Stay in the moment, not so far in it, yeah, moving into the future. I have appreciation for this moment right here, but that's what got me to finishing a doctorate degree with a baby. By the time I finished, I had had my second baby, so you can only imagine. And But my whole thing was that I have started this program. I'm not stopping no matter what I'm not stopping. So if that meant I only could take one course this semester, as opposed to two or three, that meant it was one course, but I was not going to stop until I got that piece of paper.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, do you still have your, your two stores?
0: I don't, I, I was fortunate enough. Oh, you know, relationships I would tell people that too it's, um, I go to a church and the pastor says it's all about relationship or it ain't about nothing and that's so true I had come in contact and made friends with some older gentlemen who had owned several stores and they said to me one day somebody, one of them called me up and said you know what the, the wind is starting to change directions you're going to be getting a lot of calls from major chains that want to buy your stores sell <laughs> and I did
1: okay and were you happy with that decision
0: am yes, I was very, very happy with it because the, the climate, at least for me, uh, for, for independent drugstores was changing and what they were looking for and how you're going to have to make your money was changing and, and the relationships with the clients may have to change because my energy would have to be spent elsewhere. So it was a good decision for me and it allowed me to go back into consulting.
1: Okay. Now, when you said you were doing consulting, what were you doing consulting in?
0: Right. So I did consulting for long-term care facilities to keep them in compliance clinically and with federal regulations.
1: Cool. Okay. Now, tell us the story about the book, Freedom is Your Birthright.
0: Freedom. Where is does your that birthright. come
1: from? And just the story on that, and let's get into that.
0: So Freedom is Your Birthright. I have been writing this book or uh, this series. It's, it's the first book in a five-part series called the Stepping Stones series, and I think I've been writing it my whole life. I literally have hundreds of journals. I started journaling when I was seventeen on my quest for peace with the Norman Vincent Peale book, and I, I would just study everything and I So in let's just hand.
1: stop there on the practice of journaling. What's the benefit to the to the listeners of considering that practice?
0: Journaling is a way to listen. I hope you guys, there's a part in the Bible, and I don't want to get too religious because it's not about that, but it says, in Habakkuk, write the vision and make it plain so the people will run. I absolutely love that. When you journal, you take something from a non-physical world and you bring it into a physical world. That is so very important. That is so, it's like you, that's your first, Creation. You take it from your mind where it's non physical and you put it into a physical form on paper where anyone can read it. You can go back. You can chart your history. You can make a plan. So journaling is important. And it's not the quality of your writing that matters. All it is is the removal from something, the, the transmuting from something from a non physical world to a physical world. So if you don't journal, I highly,
1: highly recommend journaling. Mm. And then when you journaled. Any tips on effective journaling? Again, don't worry about the quality, but how and when did you do it or how long are these journal input or does it vary? What it would you varies. say to it varies. I, I,
0: and I journal about everything. I have to tell you that. I journal about everything, not just my business goals about everything. I look back and some of the stuff when I wrote when I was 18, I just laugh. Uh, so Sometimes I'm so tired at the end of the day. You can imagine when I was getting a doctorate degree with two babies, <laughs> the end of my night was that You know, like my journal would just be, I'm so glad I made it through this day. Tomorrow, please let it be easier. (laughs) Mm. And so it could be something really simple. But a lot of my journaling had to do with, especially when I was going through the period of, you know, uh, pregnancies and losing babies, had to do with what it was I really wanted to put forth in the world, what it was Mm. I wanted to put forth in the world. Um, Service is a big thing for me. I believe that the best way you can help yourself in any situation, is to find somebody else to help. So I journal a lot about that. So I would encourage people to journal their heart, whatever it is. Journal your heart, whatever, and do not judge your journaling. Do not judge. Oh, this is too selfish, or you know, it's what it is. It's where you are in that place. Honor yourself with your writing. It doesn't need mm-hmm. to be eloquent. It just needs to be you.
1: Okay, perfect. Thank you. So continue the book. Freedom is your Birthright. It's your
0: birthday. So anyway, so that, like I was saying, so all those years of journaling, I. 2015 was the most pivotal year of my life thus far and that year I had the hugest marital, marital problems I've ever experienced. It was the year that I thought this marriage is not gonna make it. That was our 20 year mark. I was diagnosed with autoimmune disorder that year and I lost my job that year. So I have this phrase that you. Anybody ever listens to my radio program on the Unity Online Radio, I always talk about the big three. The big three, health, wealth, and relationship. Well, in 2015, all of mine was my big three. Every category was under attack, so I thought. And the only thing that gave me any relief was writing. And I started asking myself questions about who I was, what made me me. And that's where I came up with, I am free. I am free to take this. And I knew these things, but just putting them down into a little formula, that's how the book came about. And I thought, well, if this helps me, maybe it could help somebody else. The book is very small. It's what I call a tiny book because I really wanted people to be able to read it in a a couple of hours and take away the lessons and the gems that were there and to use them as a creative tool for their life.
1: By the way, that's smart, because most people only read one or two chapters in a book, so you might as well just make it that long.
0: How about that? You're absolutely right about it. Because you're so busy. Everybody is so busy. You know, you get time. You, you, if you're if you lucky, if you, if you uh, commute on a train and you don't have to drive into work, but most people spend all their life in traffic. And by the time they get home, their attention span, their patience, they got so many things to do to take care of the family. They don't have time. You don't have the luxury to read a 300-page book. They never get through that.
1: Hmm. Though they do have time to watch on average five to seven hours of TV a night.
0: Right. Because it, you know why? Because it takes no effort. It takes no effort. And, you know, I know it sounds so, you know, it sounds, uh, Americans, we watch a lot of TV, right? But, and I don't watch a lot of TV because it doesn't entertain me, but I know that people do something to soothe themselves, like the Mm self-soothing, you know, like the child with the pacifier, because they've been so tense, they haven't relaxed all day, they haven't been able to express themselves all day, and consequently, what happens is that they no longer know themselves, so they let Mm -hmm. somebody else tell them the story.
1: Cool. So... Now what's in the book? What are these steps?
0: So the book talks about freedom is your birthright. Just that's the title of it. What are you free to do? Right? And what are, and who who is responsible? Who is responsible and accountable for creating this life? It's so um, Thinking about that. Who is responsible for creating today for you? And I don't mean, you know, giving you life. Of course, the universe, you know, gives us life. But what we do with today is so very important. And I don't mean from a global standpoint, what you do to solve world hunger or this. I mean, what you do for you. You are responsible for the quality of the day that you have, what you allow to spend time in your psyche,
1: all of that. What? what? I'm responsible for <clears throat> for my life and my space? Isn't, aren't other people to blame for my situation?
0: right? I mean, we, we, get, and we get there because we, you know, no no judgment or condemnation, but we get there because we don't spend time with ourselves. You know, our boss says something and we think, okay, well, the natural thing is to fly off the handle. Our spouse says something and they're, you know, they're not catering to our needs. And we never get to the point where we ourselves are not catering to our needs. We are free to interpret anything in any particular way, but we are responsible for the interpretation because mm-hmm. how we interpret things will then drive our reaction. So we really have to go back to accountability. And that's hard because we're under so much stress. We feel like we're to blame for everything.
1: Mm. Okay. And so now I'm taking responsibility and my sort of outcomes is because of my input or my mindset, then what?
0: Right. And once you take responsibility for for, for how you perceive things, you then realize that you have a choice. You have a choice on how to perceive everything. You have a choice and a responsibility, even the worst of things. And, you know, I'll go back to, um, you know, the most painful thing we've talked about in my life was the losing of so many, you know, pregnancies and the the trauma that that created for me. But I had a choice to say this is going to make me bitter and angry and a um, kind of person who can't, you know, can't be joyous over somebody else's uh, great news. Or I can take this to mean that this has made me stronger. This has made me more compassionate. This has made me more empathetic. Individual. All these things are powerful tools which I can use to then create the life of my dreams. Or I can allow it to be. A, or I can choose to be a victim.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. But you're saying no, no, no victimhood here.
0: No victimhood. No victimhood. Because to say you're a victim. To say that I'm a victim renders me powerless. Now, I'm free to do that because freedom is my birthright, right? I'm free to claim myself a victim. But when you claim yourself a victim, it means I have no power over anything, meaning that I give all my power away. You know, we talked about television a few minutes ago. I let the television define me. I let my boss define me. My neighbor who doesn't even know my last name can define me. You know, and how uncomfortable is that type of life? You know, Mm. when we sit back and say, everybody else can determine for me, we don't want that for ourselves. but, But so often, so often, we voluntarily give our freedom away to people who don't even know us. We'll give a whole hour away to somebody who cuts us off on the highway. You know, like, why? We have no idea. They didn't do it, you know, they they didn't do it personally to us, but so we'll take it personally, you know, it'll just mess up our whole day, you know, or somebody who was rude to us in the, in the store, in the grocery store, it'll just mess up our whole day. Or we'll take on somebody else's, you know, our spouse's bad day. As much as we absolutely love them, they are an individual and we are an individual. We can't elect, just keep giving our energy and our powers away. So the book really focuses on making sure that we stay Stay in the command position of our earthly life.
1: So then what is the next step that I need to do to be in command then?
0: So you're there. You're taking accountability. Now you have to give yourself permission to change. Really hard permission to change because no one wants that change. Change is so difficult for those of us who like consistency and All of us like consistency in some form or fashion. We love for things to be reliable. This Mm -hmm. is what I know. This is what works for me. You know, remember that phrase, the um, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, right? But we have to allow ourselves to change. And in that changing, realizing that because life is always evolving, there will be things that will not exist in the new world. Format the new picture you're making for yourself, and there'll be new things that will come in. So allowing for that from the inside out. Expecting change, not being so tensed up so we don't allow it. So allowing for change is the next thing. And then Mm -hmm. forgiving ourselves for mistakes, because there will be mistakes. Let's just go ahead and be honest about that from the very beginning. We're not perfect. We're not going to meet any perfect people there will be mistakes.
1: You make a very important distinction here, Doctor, and that is forgiving self. I mean, we're talking about forgiving others, but also what you're talking about is forgiving self.
0: Oh, yeah, because you know when we don't forgive ourselves, it's really difficult to forgive other people because then we get into the blame thing because we're avoiding what we've done. And we don't see our behavior. We only see the other person's behavior. Well, if you didn't do this, well, if you didn't say that, well, you know, and... When we first go to ourselves and say, oh, my gosh, look, you know, I've done this. I've done that with no condemnation, no shame and no blame and say, I forgive you. I absolutely forgive you. Even if you even if you did that out of mean spiritedness, you just were in that type of mood. I forgive you. It's so much easier to then turn around and forgive somebody else.
1: Hmm. Any other tips for me to forgive myself?
0: Loving yourself. Start there. Start there by loving yourself. And how do you love yourself? You know, we all know about inner child work. And my process is so simple. I think everything I do is simple. You know, a a child could do it. I say it's simple hard because it's simple to do, maybe hard to put into practice. But I always ask myself every day, I do this every day, Drayvon, how are you feeling? And I just patiently wait for an answer. In the beginning, I used to get these really shallow answers. I'm fine, you know, try to move on my day. But now I get... Really thought, you know, I'm sad because of this. And then when you're sad and when you're angry, when you're hungry, all those things, I think you you said a phrase earlier. I'm not remembering exactly. It makes cowards of us all exhaustion. When all those things are happening, you can expect that you're going to have your worst behavior. It's just going to happen. When when you haven't eaten in over seven hours, when you haven't had anything to drink, you know, fluid, any water, you're going to have not your best behavior. So I stop and I make myself aware of myself. And then when I'm aware of myself, then I can forgive myself, just like I would if I had small children. Well,
1: if if you think about the coaching and the helping profession, what's one of the number one trends in the world? And that's mindfulness. And you're really talking about how can I be grounded and centered? We actually teach that in our leadership model. Most leaders act out without being grounded and centered. And being oh here God. now and being paying attention to not only self and what's going on, but also their emotions. So, I mean, this is foundational to yes. any of the development models that are out there.
0: Right. Being mindful of right now. And it's so much um, of what we do is outward focused, right? Especially if you're running, a, you know, I, I run a pretty large organization now. And and you're always, you know, uh, goal oriented or task oriented. and And it takes you out of self, but only when you come back and center in self can you really be effective and consistent. So that goes back to that. And that's how I forgive myself because I go back and I say to myself, you know, Drayvon, you 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 haven't had any water in over 10 hours. You're bound to do some really dry, dehydrated things in this moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, your behavior is not where it should be. And I forgive myself. And when I take that mercy and um, that position for myself, it's easier for me to extend it to other people. And then Super. I'm willing to start over,
1: to start over. What's step four?
0: Start being willing to start over again and again, and never get exhausted with the starting over process, that building, you know, starting over new, extending gratitude. I talk a lot about gratitude. It's so important. When you're grateful for where you've been, It Mm -hmm. frees you to go where you need to go. Mm. So when you're when you're grateful, you know, in that moment, I'm grateful that hey, I may have I may have misstepped, I may have missed the mark here, I may have missed deadlines. This is my my one of my pet peeves is missing deadlines. But I got to tell you, when you got a hundred and some of them to hit, some of them are going to be missed. And when you miss a deadline, instead of beating myself up like I used to, you know, spend waste all this time, you know, on the how could I's and you know. looking at my processes and that's good to do but what I do first now is I go back and I forgive myself I'm human this happens it's not the end of the world I'm not the first person to miss a deadline and then I start over cool I start over
1: and when we think about number five we only have about five minutes or less less on the show so what's number five for us
0: practice flexibility
1: explain that
0: Practice flexibility. You know, we talked about change. We talked about forgiveness. All of this stuff leads up to this grand practicing flexibility. When we practice flexibility, we approach every situation, every situation, with with a great expectation, but then again, no expectation, meaning that no matter what happens here, and I said this at the beginning of the show, is that everything that shows up in your life, everything that shows up in your today, has shown up for one reason, and that is to bow down and serve you on your path to being a service to other people. You have to stay flexible to that. It may not show up packaged the way you thought it would. It may not show up with the birth of the first child or being perfect, or it may not show up with the business deal that you're working on coming off flawlessly or you obtaining the degree in the set amount of time. Be flexible be flexible. Be consistent in your practice of being flexible.
1: And any other tips on how I can implement flexibility in my life? Uh, any examples that you could provide for us? In the oh, listeners? my
0: gosh. Let me, every day, every day I start off with this. Being like a child and being, you know, if, if you're in a music park, like your eyes are, you know, wide and you're looking for the next adventure approach your days that way looking for the next adventure when you're looking for the next adventure change doesn't seem painful and flexibility doesn't seem hard you know mm. it seems like this is the next adventure that type, and, and just having if you've ever gone to a to an amusement park with a child you, you've seen this like wild excitement there you know there Eyes are wide, their smile is big, their heart rate is, imp- and they're just looking for the next adventure. When we approach life that way, not 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 as a thrill seeker, I'm not saying that. But when we when we open our eyes to, when I walk into this meeting, there's going to be an adventure here. I don't know what it's going to be. I I've been in meetings. I'm sure you may have too, where you get some really bizarre behavior, and you're like, hmm, right. But that's an adventure. It's an opportunity for me to. For me to be flexible, for me to see this person's behavior or their point of view, for me to see things differently. So Mm. look for the next adventure in everything that you do, from the simple task of going to the grocery store to going to the heavy task of going to your next corporate meeting or doing your next business deal, the birth of your next child. Look for the next adventure.
1: Absolutely. 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 there's excitement on the other side. A lot of times people are, you know, we do work around purpose, and 80% of people dislike what they do from mildly irritate to low, so take responsibility for that and look for the opportunities. Now, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I'm going to come back to some words of wisdom from you in the end, but how can people get a hold of you? So um, your site as well as your radio show that you have.
0: Yes, wonderful. I have uh, my, you can reach me on my website, which is dot. Dr. D.R. Dravon, D R A B like Victory O N James dot com. Dr. Dravon James dot com. I am on the radio every Monday evening, Eastern Standard Time from five PM to six PM on the Unity Online radio network. That's unity online um, dot org. So you can catch me there. Please um, connect with me on, on social media. I post. I'm alive every morning, every morning on Facebook and Instagram. So connect with me there for the everyday peacemakers. I do that. I do some kind of tip for making it through the day and creating the best day for ourselves there. So that's the, those are the best ways to connect with me and reach out with me. I also do speaking, uh, keynote speaking and workshops. If you check out my website or visit uh, Unity Online, you'll find out where I'm going to be. And if you're looking for somebody to come out, you can connect with me there and I'll check my schedule. I would love to be there to enhance your, whatever you're doing for your business and your, your organization.
1: And where can we get your book, Freedom is Your Birthright?
0: Freedom is Your Birthright, you can get from amazon.com and you can purchase it off my website.
1: Mm, well, thank you. Thank you. So when we think about all that you've shared, all and thank you again for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome. What would be sort of a final takeaway or word of wisdom that you would have for the listeners that they can take action on as soon as they are done listening to this show?
0: My final takeaway, two points I want to make is that realize that wherever you are right now in your personal life or your professional life, that is the place that you're going to birth your next greatness. It's going to come from that that soil that you're standing in right now. So knowing that Knowing that, be willing right now to look at everything with a sense of adventure. when you have that type of mindset, and then be willing to burn the boat so that you cannot turn around, you're moving forward, never backwards. Don't give up on your dreams. You may have to be flexible in how you approach them, but don't give up. Never give up.
1: Mm -hmm. Well you have demonstrated that in your life, so thank you doctor for hanging out with us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Oh you're welcome. Well listeners, SOS listeners, um, Dravana really encouraged you but also shared a story of if she can do it, she started the whole show with if she could do it then you can do it and overcame all kinds of situations and no matter what Her mother was always encouraging. Are you that way with the people around you? Are the people around you that way with you? You know, take the five steps that she talked about and really, you know, be in charge or command and give yourself permission, you know, forgive yourself. It is every moment is an opportunity to start over and just be flexible. Just do it. Just do it. So thank you, as always, for listening to Secrets of Success. If you like what we're doing, please share it, pass it on, let other people know, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you are listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes.